What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Dishes and Dimes podcast. I'm your host, Christian Oblena, and today, uh, this episode is a long episode, I know, but, you know, Tom is back, and me and him always, always are going to have long basketball conversations, and so today, the episode is just about the trade deadline and all of these trades and rumors and all the names that are being talked about a lot because uh, the trade deadline is coming up uh, very soon in about 10 days so uh, i'm recording this right after our episode it is uh we're talking about guys like victor ladipo you know zach levine um he has this crazy crazy uh four team trade that we talk about at the end of the episode and uh so we just You know, we brought up some realistic trades that we can see happening and some crazy trades that maybe we'd want to see or that are really interesting, but are probably not realistic just in terms of the NBA. So uh, hopefully enjoy this. Um, More to come for the podcast. I got some things being cooked up for this for this month and uh, certainly for the rest of the season. So again, follow my Twitter if you haven't already at obey oblena o-b-e-y-o-b-l-e-n-a and uh, enjoy the episode okay and we are here talking about trade deadline destinations different trades tom is back um it's been a while since he's been on the pod i know you're busy all the time but uh it's great that we get to talk about you know making up our own trades and doing this again for another year yeah appreciate you having me back all right, so um, we kind of gave each other time to cook up some trades. Uh, you sent me three really juicy ones that I, I took t- uh, that I took a look at right before the episode, and I really like all of them. So I'll, we're gonna start out with some of my trades. Um, this trade is with a guy that I think has had a really great season. Obviously, you you are a fan of, you know, of your bulls and Zach Levine is having first time all-star, uh, is having a great season. Uh, it's not really showing up in the bulls record, but individually he's having a great season and he's on this really nice contract for the bulls, uh, earning 19 and a half million dollars this year and sells another year next year. So his value is kind of an all-time high right now. Um, with just the way he's playing and, and, and everything like that. So I made up a trade to trade him to a, a contender. I think the Nuggets are a team that probably needs one more pretty big move in order to kind of move them into the tier with, you know, with the Lakers and the Clippers and the Suns as, or, and, and also the Jazz as, you know, those top four teams are kind of leading the way in the West. So I have the Nuggets acquiring Thaddeus Young and Zach Levine for Michael Porter Jr., Will Barton, Gary Harris, and a 2022 round one a lottery protected pick. And we talked about this right before we started, but um, I know you said that it's probably better that the um, that the Nuggets get the first round pick from the bulls instead either that or that they're the the first round pick you know no first round pick gets exchanged because i i just think that porter 
you know, it's, I think he, he's their, he's their ticket to get, you know, any, any good player that becomes available. Um, I think that like, what I like about this trade is it's very much so a win now trade. Uh, you know, Thaddeus Young, I think has, has played really well and fills in some of the gap left uh, from, from uh, Jeremy Grant leaving. Um, both guys have two years left. Um, Levine obviously has been playing out of his mind, but I, I just, I think that he, you know, he's not a sure thing. Yeah, if this is Bradley Beal, you know, you give up Porter and a couple firsts and you're, you know, uh, RJ Hampton and Bull Bull and like whatever. And then, and then the salary filler and you don't, you don't think twice about it. But with, with Levine, I just, I, you know, he's been playing out of his mind. Don't get me wrong, but I would question, like you have to think more about fit with Zach Levine than you do for like a Bradley Beal. Now, I don't know that Bradley Beal is becoming available. So it's like, you don't want to just hold on to Porter forever. And then you're left with this, you know, guy who ends up being, maybe ends up being injury ridden. He doesn't reach his full potential or whatever, but he's, he's got, a, he's, he's got a lot of, um, I think that people see him in a very high light right now. And you could, he's a guy that could potentially get you back a superstar. All right. And I think Levine kind of want to push back on that just because I think Levine is doing what he's doing right now with the ball because he kind of has to. And the main thing you would want, uh, if you're the Nuggets getting, you know, a quality, maybe an all-star back in a trade and especially to win now, um, is a guy that could play off ball. Cause you don't want to take the ball out of Jokic hands at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, th- I agree with you. I think Bradley Beal is probably that better option. Cause he, can, he's shown that he can, you know, play off ball. He could play with the ball. He could probably um, play a two-man game with Jokic, and then Murray can, I don't know, maybe be in the corner in that in that type of action. But um, I kind of see Zach Levine in the same light. Maybe not in terms of like star power, like Beal. I think Le- Beal uh, has a little bit more of a a game where he can carry a team solo. Levine uh, is kind of kind of in the same light, but just in, in a, at a lesser degree. But uh, for me, it's just a win now trade. Uh, getting young to replace the Jeremy Grant minutes because you're not getting much out of an old Millsap and you know whatever Jamichael Green is in in a playoff series. So you kind of get that vet, um, and then. Would it be, I mean, would the Bulls take that package without the first round pick is, is my question. I it think, depends on if they really believe on Porter Jr. pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, the Bulls have, I, so I think one thing you said there uh, about Levine fitting with Jokic, I think that's a great point. And it's, you know, one of the things that Levine's like, phenomenal at one of the best in the league, in my opinion, is like just back cuts. And those are going to, you know, and, and you play with a guy like Jokic, like he'll find you every single time, put it exactly where you want it. And like, that's just going to be a bucket all day. And, and the fact that he can shoot, you know, he's shooting great. And, um, and yeah, he, he does, he does do some stuff off the ball that, uh, that I think does go unnoticed. So I think it's a good point from a fit perspective, you know, defensively, obviously he's, um, he tries, I think he's, 
you know, if you just compare Zach Levine and Michael Porter Jr. right now, I think you're making the argument that like Zach Levine is definitely the better player all like on every, every, from every aspect. Porter Jr. is maybe, you know, he, he maybe is a little bit better at like, I don't even know if he's better at making tough shots. I mean, he's 6'10", so that helps. But like Levine makes a lot of tough shots himself. You know, it's hard to replace being 6'10". Um, but uh, yeah, so I mean, I think, yeah, from your if, if your point about, about it being a good win now trade, um, I, think, I think that's good. And, and the nice thing too about the Nuggets, um, especially if they could do something like this without giving up a pick, is they still keep guys like Hampton and Bol Bol and PJ Dozier that are like, you know, serviceable guys that you could either play or move in another deal to fill in some, some other gaps. But to your question about, do I think the bulls would do it? I think they're, they literally could do anything. You know, I think Levine is uh, they know they have like a, an asset that other teams would want right now. Um, But they also feel like, you know, he, what if the, what if he is actually like the second best guy on a championship team in the future? You know, he's still only like 27, I think. Um, I forget exactly how old he is, but he's, he's still young. I think he's younger. I think he's younger. 26. Is he? Yeah. He was a, he was a Um, one and done. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, he's, I think he's 26. Um, And, uh, and so, yeah, it's not like, you know, he's, he's gonna, when he gets that next contract, I mean, um, the way he's playing, he's going to get a max deal. And that's where it gets, that's where it gets a little scary though. That's where you start seeing guys like Westbrook getting 40 million a year. And then you're stuck paying, you just because he was your best guy paying that guy 40 million. And he's really a $32 million a year guy. You know what I mean? Um, but that can really cripple your, your, your future, future prospects. Yeah. Um, with the, I think with that last point that you made, um, my thing with this trade is that the window is now and next year. Um, you have that flexibility to maybe, you know, if it doesn't work this year or next year, um, probably more so next year, just because the season has been so weird for, especially for the nuggets, um, with all the injuries and, and also the COVID stuff going on. So you still, you could still make this trade to look at, um, next year because Levine still has that one extra year. Um, maybe you have a little bit flexibility in the off season, um, but for the for the Nuggets, also it's like I kind of want to get off of Gary Harris's contract as soon as possible, and Will Barton is just there to kind of be a filler. But also, like both of those guys, um, more so the Harris thing. You know, maybe they're just better off not being on like a high pressure, cha- you know, championship contender type environment, and you know that's. You know, Gary Harris was really great until, you know, the Nuggets started to become contenders and he just kind of fell off of their window. Like he, he used to be one of the most important players on the team with Murray and Harris being their starting backward. But nowadays he's more so like a, I don't know, maybe an eighth man on, on this team right now, just mm-hmm. in terms of production. So if I have the Nuggets, I'm trying to get just as much value from these couple contracts and Porter um, just to kind of push for it this year and next year. And if I'm Nuggets, I'm like, well, I have Murray who can maybe, you know, start going off in the playoffs. I have Jokic who is a surefire number one guy. And if I just have 
another high level score in Levine, you know, maybe I'm, you know, the Nuggets version of, or the Western version of, of the Nets to where it's like, maybe I don't need that much defense. I could just put three really great scores out there. You have that young, who's a good glue guy um, who could be just like the left-handed version of Paul Millsap, I guess. But mm-hmm. um, if I'm looking at a five of Murray Levine, um, Thad, Jokic, Millsap, Michael Green. You don't really have a three. Monte Morris. Monte Morris. Monte Morris. Yeah. Yeah. So you have a three. Yeah. You, you need a. You need a Jokic. swing. Yeah, and I think Young and Millsap are kind of like those two swing guys, just mm-hmm. depending on the on the night. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so this might be a good opportunity to. Uh, talk about my nuggets trade just cause I think mm-hmm. it's, it, it's relevant. And it's like, um, yeah. It, it, so my, my trade was, uh, was the nuggets send out, uh, let me pull it up. The nuggets send out, uh, Gary Harris, RJ Hampton and ball ball to the rockets for Oladipo and Tucker. And mm-hmm. so my thought was, for the for the Rockets, like yeah, obviously they're sending out the probably the they're sending out the the best player in the trade, um, and they they have to take back the Harris deal, but they just need to sort of get some cracks at the apple or whatever the phrase is, <laughs> as far as like just finding finding young guys that could turn into something like RJ Hampton, and I don't think they have any intention of getting of resigning Oladipo. Um, obviously Tucker wants out and so kind of still, so still within that win now mentality, you know, from the, from the Nuggets perspective and maybe, you know, maybe the Nuggets have to give up a first, um, a future first in that. So, you know, just another asset for the, uh, for, for the, uh, for the Rockets to get back in order to, because they do have to take back two more years, you know, another year of of, uh, Gary Harris. But I just, I think if, the Nuggets could pull that off. I think that's the kind of deal that that also makes them a win now. Doesn't mortgage their Michael Porter Jr. stock, and and you know again still puts them in a you know in a good good position long term. Um, but I don't know if the Rockets would do it. So I don't know. What are your thoughts? Um, I I like it as a win now move. It's probably better win now move than my trade just because Oladipo you kind of get a little you know a different kind of offensive game um to, to kind of mix in with Jokic and Murray mm-hmm. um Levine is as athletic as he is he's more of still like a shot creator um Oladipo can just be can be a guy that could you know, take advantage of the space that the Nuggets kind of create on offense with with movement and shooting and everything like that. So Oladipo can have like driving lanes. And then obviously PJ Tucker is a guy that they desperately need. Like they can't rely on again Jermichael Green and Paul Millsap to be that type of guy in a seven games like for you know consistently in a seven game series. I don't think those two guys are kind of what they need. PJ Tucker is exactly what they need. And just to help, you know, take the pressure off Jokic uh, defending the paint. Um, I actually don't think that 
the Nuggets have to put in another pick just because, you know, Bull Bull, who I, he's becoming just kind of like a fun name to say around the league, like 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 how Bull Bamba was like the the first mm. year or so. But I still think he's he has skill and has a lot of upside. And then if you just think about, you know, imagining a front court of Bull Bull and and Christian Wood, and you know, as you're as you're rebuilding, um, maybe you find minutes in RJ Hampton. You just have like a fast, long, athletic team like that, and you can kind of see it. I'm actually pretty high on RJ Hampton just in terms of what he can be as like a role guy in the NBA. And I don't think the Harris contract is necessarily that bad to where you have to attach a pick because you would, after this year, you just have one more year of Gary Harris. And in in that sense, you kind of put him in, in a, in another trade um, because he's, he's an expiring contract next year. And it's not like they're one year away from doing anything, you know, where he's going to prevent you from, and it's not like there's like a a free agent that they're going to get this off season. that's going to make all the difference. you sort of are just, you know, hoping to get some, get lucky in the the lottery, get some young guys in. But I think the Christian Wood thing is, is, is a great, great call. And I think when you get a guy like that at that contract, when he's probably, you know, he's making, I think 13 million a year, he's probably underpaid by seven, 8 million a year, at least depending on, you know, and who knows, depending, he could progress to become an all-star and he's becomes way underpaid. That's sort of like, that 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 goes a long way as far as like what you can do now that now now that makes that wall deal not look as bad you know if you buy and and so yeah i think i think they just need to like get what get they need to get something back for oladipo because that was essentially their chip that they moved for hard either they got for hard um yeah they did get picks out they, they got the picks too so i can't say that was it but uh but yeah, I think, um, you know, you might as well just get whatever you can. And if I'm a contending team, you know, especially one that's capped out, you know, like the Warriors or you know, the Warriors aren't necessarily contenders, but they're capped out. But any capped out team, if you can get Oladipo for your expiring contract that you don't like, you then get his bird rights. And Oladipo is, you know, yeah, he's going to make probably $28, $30 million per year with his next deal. And, you know, who knows if he's worth it, but a lot of these teams that don't care about money are like, you know, we, we got to fill the spot anyway. Um, so yeah, I think, I think he's, he definitely has value. And so the, I, I just, I just hope the Rockets get something for him for their sake. Um, and I think this would be a great move for the Nuggets to, to win now and, and still not get rid of their Murray Porter Jokic core. Yeah, and then Oladipo can just be kind of slotted in at the two spot pretty seamlessly. Mm-hmm. And another reason why I don't think um, the Nuggets or the Rockets have to, or I'm sorry, the Nuggets have to put in another pick or put in a pick is just, you know, if they're really adamant about not resigning Victor Oladipo, then I'm not, if I'm the Nuggets, I'm not trying to kind of give up another asset just to get off of Harris like Harris isn't again Harris just isn't a really bad he's not like Westbrook level or like Tobias Harris level type of contract where it's like I have to get off him or like I really need to get off him but mm-hmm. I actually really like this trade just 
more so for the Rockets because you kind of get two guys that can get a lot of playing time, especially if, yeah. if you're rebuilding uh, with the Rockets. So, and I kind of like both those two guys. So maybe it's just because I'm kind of biased <laughs> towards Bull Bull and RJ Hampton. But I should really. I think it's worth the roll. Yeah, it's worth rolling the dice, right? You know what? Mm-hmm. I, I they, they both have shown flashes. No, definitely. Um, I kind of want to get into uh, your second trade before we get into my second trade. Um, Which one? The Grizzlies one. Okay. So Good. we're saving, you, saving the four teamer for last. Yeah, definitely saving the four teamer <laughs> for last. That one's gonna be like a brain buster for sure. Yeah. Um. So you had the Grizzlies and the Magic um, trading players. You have Nikola Vucevic going to the Grizzlies for Jonas Valanciunas, Dylan Brooks, and a 2021 first-round pick to the Magic. Right off the bat, if I'm just looking at these names on paper in a trade, I really like it because the Grizzlies, they get a bona fide all-star, um, a guy that has been... I think he's having his best career year and they're still not like winning games at all for the magic. And he's always been quietly the last couple of years, one of the best 20 guys in the league, just quietly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you just think of the fit with Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr., you just slot Vucevic at the five, um, Jaron Jackson at the four, uh, you have something there. You have a nice, three piece um i guess three three players that can definitely compete in the western conference um especially with a growing morant um you're not capped out at all you still have great uh role players and then you just kind of i said this before we recorded but you kind of get your your 20 you know your 2020 version of grit and grind with Conley, Randolph, and Gasol. You have Morant, Jaron Jackson, and Nikola Vucevic. Um, and then if you're the Magic, you you don't get terrible contracts back. Um, you get just one more year of Valanciunas, one, uh, two more years of Dylan Brooks, but Dylan Brooks, again, is, 11, is 11.4 this year. He's going to be around the 11 to 12, 13 range um, after that, and he's not a bad player. He's a decent rotation guy. Um, and then you get the first round pick. So I feel like both teams um, kind of win in this trade. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of how I looked at it too. I think it, it, one thing, I think the Grizz would probably have to give up uh, just another thing, whether it's like a 2022 pick swap or a, um, or a, uh, or like a guy like Desmond Bain or something, you know, just like a, Rookie who showed some promise that, um, you know, just to give, give the magic a little bit more to, to make the trade a little more palatable. Um, but I think the, the big thing with the, the magic and, and I, I was trying to figure out some way to like toss Fournier in there too, because Fournier is expiring with 17 million. And it's just one of those guys kind of similar to what we were just saying with Oladipo. It's you can get, you can get something for him. And do you really want to like, do you really want to resign him? Um, given sort of where your team is right now. Um, you can get 
sort of a younger version of a Fournier and Brooks with a little bit longer runway. So you're not like losing that cap space or, or, or you know, you're not going to have that cap space in the off season and overspend on somebody who's not as good or promising as, as Brooks. Um, and, and yeah, for the, for the Grizzlies, I think it's just, it's a no brainer. I think that they're a team that given, given the fact that they have Morant and Jaron Jackson and, and even Winslow, you know, Winslow, he's, it's been interesting how they've been using him it's sort of uh, as a primary ball handler, but he's listed as a power forward. And I, I just, he's a weird player to me, but, uh, but you, you, you get all those, those guys and, and just, you know, starting with, but you start with a guy like Morant and like their ceiling. I don't, you know, I don't know what their ceiling is, but I wouldn't be shocked if they're, you know, contending for the West in a couple of years, you know, depending on how some of the other teams fall. Um, you know, so I, I, I just, you get a guy like, like Busevich right now, who just compliments that team and those guys so perfectly. Um, and you know, to where you're, you're going to be good. And so those first round picks, it's not like you're, you're, you're most likely not giving up lottery picks there. Um, and you got, you still keep your, your good, you know, some of your good role players. So that's, yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I'm looking at the Grizzlies payroll right now. Um, Winslow, who we forget that he's only 24. I know. Um, I was looking at his age too recently. I can't yeah, believe that. He, uh, after those injuries with the heat, he was all, I mean, he was always a guy that I kind of, I was pretty high on. I think he's still a guy that I'm pretty high on just in terms of, you know, what he can do on the court and if he just is healthy and that's just, yeah. it's always well, like so the, he, the biggest question mark. And his deal, if you think about it, is very similar to like Steph Curry's, uh, Steph Curry's first deal where, you know, everyone thought Steph was good, um, but he was injury, he was injury prone. And so he got a really low second contract and, you know, that, that opened so many, uh, so many doors for you when you get a guy like that. Obviously, Winslow is not Steph Curry. I don't expect him to be one tenth of the impact that Steph Curry, you know, one one hundredth. But it's still like it's all about sort of having guys more less expensively than they're playing, you know, mm-hmm. and like what that can actually open the doors that can open up for your team. Yeah, and then um, you know they still they just resigned D'Anthony Melton to really nice deal. He's only twenty two, and he's looking like a quality, you know, rotation NBA guy, um, still have Grayson Allen. They, they would still have Brandon Clark up until 2023 and he has a lot of room to improve. So you're, you're looking at a core of Morant, uh, Jackson Vucevic, you know, Winslow, Cal Anderson, Brandon Clark, um, you know, next year, that's that's Grayson Allen. Yeah that's mm-hmm. what you're fighting for five or six, maybe in the West. I yeah, mean, the I mean West, you never know. The West is just, yeah. Yeah. The West is just full of just, you know, really good teams. So, mm-hmm. but you're in the mix. You're obviously in the mix and you're not losing too much if you feel the Grizzlies. So that's mm-hmm. also why I like it more. And I, I just feel like both sides are pretty happy with this deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about this one trade uh, for Kyle Lowry that I okay. cooked up. And um, so I know Kyle Lowry has always been in talks with 
or his name has been in talks with the Sixers. Obviously, you know, Kyle Lowry being from Villanova, he's from Philly. Philly is contending in the East. It just makes the most sense. He's on his one-year deal or the last year of his deal uh, with the Raptors and Masai. um, After the DeRozan trade, we'll pretty much trade anyone. So uh, there's not really any ties with that. But Mm. so I have... Kyle Lowry and Stanley Johnson going to the Heat as a win-now move for the Heat. And the Raptors getting this haul of Kendrick Nunn, Goran Dragic, uh, Mo Harkless, Kelly Olenek, and a 2024 uh, first-round lottery-protected pick. Um, My thought process with this... um, kind of taking Philly out of the question because uh, we both talked about how the the trade to Philly just makes the most sense and on both sides. Um, but in terms of just if the Heat wanted to win now, they would get, you know, Lowry, uh, Butler, Bam. You know, they still have Tyler Hero and Dungan and, you know, Andre Godala. So they still have, you know, seven quality NBA guys that can compete for a championship. Um, and the Raptors would get, you know, none who had an interesting rookie year last year. Um, he's shown flashes of like really good shot creation. Um, he's a young guy. Uh, they get another year of Dragic next year. Um, well, Harkless is expiring. Olenek is expiring. And then they get this pick from the Heat that's lottery protected in 2024 and in the next three years, especially if the Heat have Lowry, Butler, and Bam, is that still going to be a really good team in three years? Probably not. So maybe that pick becomes something. Um, I just think that this haul for the Raptors probably isn't as good if they trade Lowry to the Sixers, but I mean, you get something out of a 36 year old undersized guard who has played his heart out for the city. Um, no, one, no one will ever take that away from him, but his time is done and the Raptors just need some, you know, some package just for, you know, what he's worth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think if you can get a, a pick and a guy like none, you know, that's definitely, you know, that's kind of what you should expect for if you're the the Raptors, as far as like what assets you get coming back. You know, I think you mentioned, um, uh, Massey from, from the, from the Sixers, that'd be a kind of similar to none. Although I think I actually think Maxie would be a little bit better prospect, mostly because he, none is, I think on the last year of his deal and, you know, I just always, there's, there's guys and we'll talk about this when we talk, you know, when we talk about the bulls and Lori, but it's just like, there's certain guys that I just don't feel great about paying their next contract, you know, and none, none to me is one of those. Um, but you still get the first round pick back. So, I mean, I, I like this. Um, and I, I like thinking about it. I like thinking about Lowry on that team. Cause you know, just he's, he's a gamer and, you know, put him with a team full of gamers. I think that would just be kind of interesting. Um, but I, I just, I, I think part of, part of the other thing too, is I think um, 
my, my trepidation with this is I just watched Goran Dragic just light up the bulls. And he just like, I, I think we forget that if he was playing in that Lakers series, that really could have changed the course of that series. I mean, the, the heat, the heat battled in those games and obviously, you know, the Lakers were, were clearly, clearly the better team, but there were some close games or early in the series there where um, I think the way Dragic was playing, it's reasonable to think that that, that could have been a seven game series and a toss up in game seven. If, you know, if he was healthy and so, um, and then, yeah. And then obviously bam, bam got injured. Um, but he you know came back, but, uh, um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I just think that if I'm the, the heat, I'm more likely to just sort of run it back or try to make a run at a guy like Oladipo. Although, yeah, that would be another one that might be kind of difficult to get a contract to match. Um, but you know, you know, just like a guy that you can give up, you don't have to give up, you know, uh, a, a win now guy, um, you know, to, to, to make your team better. You can give up a, an Olenek and Harkless and, you know, and then maybe a first rounder and you're, you've just made your team better right now. And, um, but haven't gotten rid of Like, I just, I just like Dragic so much. I think he, he brings an element to that team that is, um, you know, if he's, if he's cooking, he can really do some stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm with you on the Dragic thing, especially in the finals. Um, it was, it sucked to see a guy like that kind of go down on the first game. And then he came in game six and kind of was the reason they, they, I feel like they lost game six. Just, he just wasn't ready to be put in a finals game after what he was going through. Um, I just put Dragic in there just because his contract is kind of like the only big contract that um, I feel like the heat would trade. Um, and and a type of guy that maybe the rappers would want back because I don't think the other guy I think that's making kind of similar money to Dragic is uh, is Andre Godala mm-hmm. and I would feel like the Heat would rather give up on Dragic than Iggy, but maybe that's my Warriors fan saying Iggy is still. A guy that could provide something in seven game series. Um, yeah, I think the other team, like I think, there's really only like you got to look at only teams that think they have a chance to contend this year. So you, know, you yeah. got the Sixers, you got the Nuggets, you know, and they, that and they also have to have like enough contracts to cobble together. That's the other hard part is like you're not, you know, if you're the Nuggets, you're not trading Jokic or or Murray for Lowry, or even the Sixers are not paying. You're not trading Simmons, Harris, or or Embiid for Lowry. So you got to have those like middle contracts to, to add up. Clippers are another one. I wonder if they, the, the problem is like they're, they're big contracts. Nobody, you know, they're big middle contracts. Nobody would really want like uh, the, the white guy um, that they got Lucard. from the Pistons. Luke yeah, Kennard, yes. Yeah, yeah. Drawing a blank on his name, but he like, why would Who the Raptors want to take back way. that contract? Yeah, exactly. You know, so, and then Morris got another, he got a big deal. You know, so it's like, they don't have any good players um, that you would actually want uh, with those contracts that, to add up. So I, you know, I think it's kind of limited as to what the options are, but you know, who knows, you know, if you, if you can get creative. Uh, yeah. I think Lowry, Lowry is a guy that definitely could swing the, uh, the playoffs. 
if I, if he gets it goes to the right team. Yeah, I mean, now that you mentioned the Clippers, I try to find a trade, you know, because that was kind of my thought process too with making these trades was that I'm starting out with a team that needs a move or two to kind of maybe bolster their title contending lineup or make a move to get them to title contention. And when I'm looking at the, the Clippers and their assets, it's just none of the guys that they would want in a trade, um, they can't really back it up in a trade. Like they can't give up assets that are enticing enough for the other team to be like, okay, we'll take that instead of other teams or what they could offer us. Cause the Clippers, like you said, like no one wants Luke Kennard who just signed a four yes. years, 64, I think. Yeah. And then yeah. Marcus Morris around the same, like another three, four years for uh 60 million or something like that. So it's like those contracts aren't, aren't really, really good. Lou Williams. Um, if a team would want to take Lou Williams, they need a pick and the Clippers have no picks to give up. So that's also why the Clippers are so hard to trade with just because they don't have any, they, other don't, have picks, future, yeah. they don't have future assets as well. So, and none yeah. of their current assets are great except Kawhi and Paul George. So mm-hmm. um, I want to go into one of my crazy trades and then we'll end it off on your four teamer. How does that sound? All right, cool. Cool. Um, so my crazy trade, uh, pretty unrealistic, but I think something that's, really fun to talk about. Um, I had the Hornets and the Pelicans making a deal and I'm sending Brandon Ingram to the Hornets for Terry Rozier, Malik Monk, PJ Washington, and a 2021 first round pick. And so my thought process with this is, uh, you know, the Hornets getting a quality guy who's probably an all-star in the East. He's a guy that could fit in seamlessly with uh, Lamella Ball, who's most definitely the rookie of the year, and Gordon Hayward, who is a guy that got paid this summer but is actually playing pretty well and is a guy that can fit in with another wing that can score. Like He he fit in with Tatum and Brown pretty well, so I wouldn't doubt that he could fit in with Ingram pretty well. They They have these two guys now under contract Ingram and Hayward and obviously with with LaMelo growing um, and what he looks like in the next couple of years, maybe that's something, especially competing in the East where, you know, the Knicks were what I think they're fourth or they're fifth right now in, in the East. Oh, I'm sorry. The Knicks are seventh, but the, the heat right now are fourth in the East and they're 21 and 18. Um, and the Hornets are right there at 19 and 18. So it's like you add more talent um, that can fit in well with your young star. And I don't know, you, you get off of, um, of Rozier, who maybe you don't want to get off of because he's playing pretty well and he's playing actually up to his contract at $19 million. But, um, you know, are you going to re-sign Malik Monk to a, to a better deal? What's great about Malik Monk right now is that he's earning 5.3, but he's playing like a 13, $14 million guy. Mm-hmm. And then PJ Washington would be hard to get off of, but you're getting a guy in Ingram that pretty much plays the four. So it's not like 
you're kind of getting better at that. And then your first round pick this year is not super valuable just because they're probably being maybe in the late teens. Um, just seeing how they project for the rest of the year, they're probably in the late teens, maybe mid teens. And I don't know if that's super valuable for the Hornets right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I love this deal. I, I think it's, it's super interesting because, you know, both teams, one thing that gets discussed a lot, it got discussed a lot with, with during the Harden rumors was, you know, the team that gives up, you know, three quarters for a dollar always loses. But in this case, it's, it's not like Brandon Ingram's not this like surefire, you know, superstar. He's, you know, borderline all-star and yeah, maybe he can, he's, he's still got room to improve and, you know, could lead a team, um, you know, and, and could be a perennial all-star for all that matters. So you, you are trading a really good player and, um, you know, and so they are, they are trading the best player in this draft, but they have Zion Williamson and every, every move that they make right now should just be about what's the best fit around Zion Williamson uh, and a power forward that can shoot uh, a, a guy like a, a heat check guy like Malik Monk. And then a you know, Terry Rogier, um, you know, who's also been playing really well, you know, worst case scenario, it just gives you some more optionality with like your point guard situation. Cause you got heart, you got ball, you got, um, you got, and then you'd have Rogier. So it's like one of those, you'd have to get rid of one of those guys. I know they really like heart. And Ball's been playing playing really well, Alonzo. Um, but uh, and then you'd, you'd have Rozier. So it's like at least you you you've built some depth, um, and they're all good players that you know, on decent contracts that 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 other teams might want. So um, and then the, but the most important thing is yeah you get you know you get you get something for Ingram that would definitely fit well around Lonzo and Lonzo Zion too many too many Z's. <laughs> Yeah, that would fit well around Zion, and you know, I think, I just think like the the Brandon Ingram thing. The longer you wait to to move him for something, I wouldn't just assume that he his value is going to grow, you know, um, and you're it's going to start becoming more apparent to the rest of the league that those two can't can't be the centerpiece of your team, um, and then on the flip side for Charlotte, I think you're putting a guy like Ingram who could be an odd fit for some teams um, next to a guy like Hayward and, and, and LaMelo who are really good at moving the ball and creating. And there's a lot of bridges. Who's not a guy that needs, you know, needs to like, you know, pound the, pound the ball or anything. Um, you know, you, you, you were already thin at your, at, you know, in your, uh, your front court. So it's not like this changes anything. You're gonna have to address that in the off season. Um, and, you know, so I, I just think it's a great move for both sides. Uh, I think it'd be, it, and, and you know, I would argue that the Hornets may not even need to give up that pick, although they probably would, or maybe, if, but if they could do that and keep like Washington or the pick, um, I think that would be the best of both worlds. But, um, but yeah, I just think it's a really interesting trade where like, it's a really, really a win-win deal in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, the the Hornets actually have some really intriguing guys at, like, really low contracts just because they're all young. Like, even – you can even make a case for um, – I'm forgetting his first name. I was about to say C.J. Miles. Miles Bridges. Oh, okay. Miles Bridges, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Miles Bridges. I was, I was, I was trying to say C.J. Miles because um, they're both left-handed. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they have a lot of kind of young 
pretty valuable assets to kind of tinker around with in, in this type of trade if they're kind of trading, you know, three, four assets for one major viable asset. Um, and they're a team that's kind of coming up in just in terms of the mark the markability of the team, right? Getting getting Lamelo, you get um your max max guy in Gordon Hayward mm-hmm. and now you kind of add Ingram to the mix and you're a team, you know, owned by Michael Jordan. You're you're watchable. You're probably they're probably the Coach most is really good. team. Yeah. The Brego, yeah, Brego is yeah. great. And maybe he he gets something out of Ingram um as he's mm-hmm. as he's done with with all the other guys as well. So um they kind of have a bright future. And if you add a still a, a young budding star in Ingram, um mm-hmm. like and you made a great point with his value just kind of it could go down in the next year just in terms of what he looks like with Zion. Um, his value for the Pelicans may go down, but the, his value on other teams like like the Hornets can go drastically up. So mm-hmm. uh, it's good that you like to actually, when I, when I finished making this trade, I was like, I don't know if I like it, but I really do. Well, I, you know, I just, just cause they're just so tan- weird names to be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think just a quick tangent is, isn't quite like, I think of the, the Mavericks in a similar boat where, you know, the thing about what they need to do with Porzingis and I don't think Porzingis is, is the asset that, that Ingram is, especially given the injury history. But, um, but if you, like, I would trade Porzingis for literally any two or three players that you could get that aren't complete, like that aren't like, you know, as long as it's not like a long-term contract for a guy that's terrible, like I wouldn't trade him for like, you know, I mean, Grant Blake Griffin just got, got traded, but uh, you know, like a guy like that, but it, you just, just pieces to put around that fit well around Luca. Like the, the, the Houston's got a bunch of guys like you know, Eric Gordon. And I don't know. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to think of some names here, but, uh, but get a couple of, you know, guys that look like they're, you know, 10 cents or 25 cents for, uh, for, you know, Porzingis, who's the, the, the biggest name in the trade and you might be better off long-term than, than, you know, just sort of, going with the two stars. And the thing is like the Mavs too, they got the the cap room next year too. So, yeah, there's still still room to make a deal. Yeah. I think Porzingis is the guy that is pretty, and and it's crazy because like Ingram in this situation with Zion is, is more valuable than Chris stops with a situation with Luca. Like I I think Mm -hmm. the whole league kind of knows that Porzingis is not going to be that guy for them. He's just not like just yeah. with the way he plays um, and his injury history, like you said, and his contract, it's just not, if they want to reach, you know, Lakers level, Clippers level, or I mean, at this, at this point, Suns level, um, it, like competing in the West, like it's not going to be with Porzingis as their big man. So, mm-hmm. um, so let's get into this last trade. Uh <laughs> We talked about a little bit last night how you had a four-team trade that's being cooked up, but um, yeah, what was yeah. your kind of thought? Yeah, you I guess go through it and then your thought process um involves your hometown team in the Bulls, so this is gonna be really interesting. Yeah. So all right. So in this trade, um, I it's a four-teamer between the Bulls, Celtics, Cavs, and Thunder. All right. And so I figure the Cavs want to get off of love. Actually, just let me say the trade. So the Bulls would take back Horford and Kevin Love, and they would get Romeo Langford from the Celtics. 
as well as a second round pick from the Cavs via Houston, which is actually going to be like a high, you know, high second rounder. And then they would also get a lottery protected 2022 pick from Boston. So Boston would get back Thaddeus Young and Tomas Sadoransky. So both guys are, you know, making 13 and a half and 10 million respectively. So they'd be able to slide and they'd be giving up uh, Langford and then that 2022 lottery protected pick <coughs> and for two guys that are, um, you know, so they'd be able to slot into that, uh, that um, you know, trade exception that they got from losing Hayward. Um, the Cavs would only be getting back auto Porter. So uh, they basically be giving up love and his, you know, three years left for auto Porter's uh, $28 million expiring deal. And the thunder would be getting Markinen and they'd be giving up Horford. Um, so I, you know, it's possible actually the Thunder might need to give up another piece to, because so here's, here's, here's my thing is let me, let me first talk about it from why the Bulls should do this and why I think they should get back assets is I think that, yeah, Horford, um, both Horford and Love have three years left. I think Horford's third year, though, is a team option or there's something with his third year. And I, I just think that they're two guys that um, I don't think that they're cooked. They're obviously overpaid, uh, but I don't think they're done necessarily. And I think they would actually pair really well with Levine and White um, for the Bulls and would actually be good mentors for Patrick Williams and Wendell Carter Jr. You know, Wendell Carter Jr., one of his comps coming out of college was, was Horford. Um, and so, but the thing is like, they're ultimately taking back these long-term deals and yeah, they're, they're serviceable players, but they're two of the worst contracts in the league, you know, even though Horford's been playing okay and love's been out, I think the whole year. Um, so that's, that's to me, the most risky part um, is the love part, but I just think it's, it's a move where, and then, and then you get off of marketing, which I've talked about marketing a lot, but basically he's just a guy that I don't want to be the one paying him his next contract, you know, it's probably going to be, I, I, I'm not going to be shocked if it's going to be four years, 90 to 110 million. Um, and I just, I don't want to be the ones paying. He might be worth it. I don't want to, I don't want to be the one paying it. And whereas the thunder might be like, you know, let's, let's have him on our books and let him hit restricted free agency. And then we'll make the decision, but we weren't going to keep Horford anyway. So at least we have this option and we didn't have to give up really anything else. Um, and then for the Celtics, they give up Langford. It's not like they're giving up a ton and they're getting some win now guys. So I think for the Bulls, it doesn't mortgage their future. They're getting, you know, short-term players that could actually make them better. Like this actually, in my mind, this actually makes them a better team for the next two years, two to three years, just, you know, with Levine, with White, with Patrick Williams, with Wendell Carter. Um, and then, you know, you got Horford and Love still. And you're getting back young assets like a Langford who, who knows what he could be. So I just, yeah, I, I'm wondering who says no here. Um, but I just, yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious your thoughts. Off the bat. I think out of all of these four teams, I think the bulls would say no. Mm-hmm. Only because of the Horford and love thing. Just because 
love is a huge question mark and and, and what you said about uh horford horford doesn't have anything on his last year he just hits under unrestricted free agency in 2023 he his his numbers actually go down so he's he's making 27 and a half right now next year is that 27 and then his final year in 2022 23 is 26 and a half so his is his contract actually goes down and same with love so it's right now it's at 31 next year's 31 and then the last year is at actually at 28.9 so it goes down like 2 million which you know maybe could help you um and then in the last year um and well that's the other thing sorry just real quick that's the other thing too is i'm i'm not ready to give up any future picks for a guy you know Mm -hmm. like and not that there's really i don't even know who that guy would be right now but because i'm so unsure of what this team is i don't want to like make a win now move that forces me to to give up future picks so what other win now moves are there really you know yeah Uh, i'm i'm just thinking like if um if i'm the bulls and all i want to do is get off of marketing Is the main reason for the Bulls is to get off market or to kind of just have some of these guys help, you know, Patrick Williams and, and Carter. And then I guess it's kind of a mix, right? You obviously don't want to get, uh, you obviously want to get off marketing because they've, they didn't even want to resign him uh, in the off season. And, uh, and you get, you get that lottery protected pick uh, for next year for the Celtics um which they probably won't be they probably won't be in the lottery anyway next year so mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense that pick will probably convey um i'm just wondering if it's really worth getting both horford and love and and like you said they they do help um probably really soon probably this year and next year um but just that and then that actually i guess i'm talking myself into it because then if i'm thinking about the last year of both of those deals maybe there's still a guy that you know both love and horford that can that are expiring contracts that can be traded to another contender maybe you know in in, in that in that third and final year love will be uh 30 34 will be 36 so it's not inconceivable it's definitely wishful thinking just thinking about the best version of their you know mid-30s selves because horford actually has been okay um probably lost a step defensively but is still smart enough and skilled enough to know where to be on defense and to kind of help um a guy like patrick williams levine kobe white and wendell and then you kind of have him as insurance if Wendell obviously is continuing like his run of being injured. Um, love is just a huge question mark, but that's yeah. That, to me, that's the risky. That, that's like the riskiest part uh, because you know I think I don't know. I, I like Horford. I sort of trust to at least like be playable in you know in his third year. And like, yeah, he may not be worth, you know, playing up to 27 million that he's getting paid, but he's still like, can go out and set screens and give you 25 minutes and of 
you know, Al Horford, it's not like he was a guy that ever relied that heavily on his athleticism. You know, sure. He'll lose a step defensively, but um, you know, and, and and honestly, like part of it is, I, I really feel like the pairing him with like putting him next to uh, uh, next to Wendell Carter and uh, putting him under his wing, your, your chances of getting the most out of Wendell Carter increase by get taking, uh, taking on Al Horford and, and Al Horford uh, would also be pa- playing for his college coach, which is another, I, w- mm-hmm. I, I had, I was also trying to figure out how, how do I get as many Florida guys on the team, including Beal and just like, <laughs> oh, just yeah, get Billy, Patrick yeah, Williams and a bunch of Florida guys. Yeah. He was on that championship team with Noah, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, but, and I'm, I'm just yeah. looking at the other teams too. Uh, Thaddeus Young is, is kind of a guy that the Celtics need. Sadoransky is kind of, you know, third, I don't know if he, I don't think he, yeah. Like, I, guard I figured, potential. Yeah. I mean, he's not really getting minutes in, in a, in a crucial, you know, Eastern conference playoff series but you know 10 million uh next year would be his last year so it's not like and he's not horrible like he's he's playable and he mm-hmm. can add something if if jeff teague is non i think he only signed for years so if jeff teague is, is on this team next year yeah um i like it for the Cavs. They get off the. I think the, their biggest thing in this trade deadline, or just in the near future, is to get off the love deal, just so mm-hmm. that they want to get off love and they want to get off of uh, of Drummond. So you know, you get the harder task completed in getting off of love. I think Drummond, they're just gonna have to buy out. Like, there's nobody yeah. that's taken on that deal. Definitely, and, you know, he's, he's in his last year. Like, just. And the thing is like the only way you would get off of a love or a Drummond is you give up future first, your mm-hmm. future picks and they're, they're not good. So they're not going to do that. So they'd rather be bad and have these bad contracts just ride out than or, you know, or buy or buy them out. But the thing is like love has three years left. So they're not going to buy them out right now. This is like, you know, I, I admittedly, I'd like to see if love had, you know, like I'd love to see him come back and he played pretty well last year. You know, so it's like, it's not like he's that far removed from being a decent player. Granted the team is terrible. And, um, you know, so I don't, I don't know that he's like going to be a cornerstone of a winning team or, you know, but I, I, it, I don't feel like it's that implausible that he could be, you know, a 16 and nine guy for three more years, you know, for, for this year, next year, and you know, another year from then. And then just be like, I just feel like him, and Horford are really good pick and roll guys next to Levine and white, you know, and then you got, and then you got the X factors of Carter and Williams's development. Mm-hmm. So. No, definitely. Cause um, you know, we forget that love, you know, he was on that championship team with Cleveland. He turned into like this spot up guy. And then he was on this terrible Cleveland team rebuilding with, you know, Garland and Sexton and, you kind of just forget him and then uh the injuries kind of just held him back but like you said like when he was healthy and he was playing he wasn't bad and it was just because he was on this tor- terrible team and he was on this contract that Cleveland kind of just gifted him for staying you know after after everyone yeah. left yeah. um 
so after, if, if you forget about all, all those side things, then love is actually not bad. And then the Cavs get off of him because they probably want to, they don't want to pay him. They want to start, you know, get this rebuild um, ramped up as soon as possible. They get the Porter contract back and they don't have to pay him. And then you think, look at the thunder, you get the flexibility. I don't think, uh, what's their GM's name? Uh, Presti. I don't think no, Presti, Presti wants, Presti. yeah, I don't think Presti wants to pay Markin at all. So, mm-hmm. and it's, and they want to get off the Horford deal too. That's the, that's the thing is like Horford is well as he's playing. I still, I don't know who the team is that would, that would pay him this, you know, it's gotta be a team that has like a, you know, a, a matching contract that's expiring that thinks that Horford could make them better. Um, and they're willing to take on the few extra years because they think Horford could maybe make them a title contender, you know, or, or like at least, a, you know, really help them in the playoffs. Um, and I just don't know who else, who that team is. And at least thing is with the bulls, you know, I, I, I'm also a bit jaded because we've done terribly in free agency over our, you know, over our, especially the last 10 years, granted we have new, new management. And I'm very optimistic about what they're doing, you know, new front office, but I just don't, I don't think that um, I'm not assuming that we're going to be this free agency de- destination anytime in the near future. Um, unless like Williams turned into this, Oh my God, he's actually an all-star, you know? He, or Kobe white. These two guys are like borderline all-stars. It's like, you know, basically how people looked at Derek Rose and Joakim Noah and Luol Deng in 2000, you know, 2009, 2010, where it's just like, you got these three young guys uh, and, and cap space. And you, we ended up with Carlos Boozer, but we thought we were getting LeBron James. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. I, I'm, I would say none of these teams I would say Celtics, Cavs, Thunder would all say yes. I think easily they would say yes uh, because Langford doesn't really mean that much to the Celtics and they don't care about a next year pick. It just keeps going back to the Bulls if they really, because if, if you take on the Horford and Love thing, if, they, if you take on their contracts, you're committing to those guys being on your team for the next three years because you know that you're taking on two contracts that are pretty um, unmovable yeah and yeah. you're you're banking on that and then since levine is uh, expiring next year if you would still want levine around these two guys these two old old big men then you're probably gonna have to resign him again and that and that's a max contract but actually yeah, um, that's a lot of that that does scare me a little bit though where you basically paying levine horford and loves 90 to 100 million between the three. And then if you don't want to do that, then you would have to trade Levine. And then the next year, well, I guess they would be expiring by then. So it's just not a lot of, it's not a lot of upside in the next three years um, for the Bulls because I don't think having these two guys are going to push you to a top four seed top five seed mm-hmm. it may push you to above the the play-in tournament or put you securely in the play-in tournament but um 
I don't know if it's well, see, like I, I, that. Well, and I, I figured the the upside was a four or five seed, you know, and which is a, which is still to your point. I don't think it's a lot of upside. Um, but then, you know, the, the flip side of that argument to me is, well, then what is like, what is the upside otherwise, um, you know, of of getting Markin in, just re-signing Levine, and maybe you get, you know, who knows what you can get in free agency this off season. Um, but here's the thing. I think, I think you're right. And everyone I've talked to about this trade agrees with you <laughs> and thinks that like, why would the bulls do this? Um, but it's, and, and the other thing too is, you know, new front office isn't going to take a, make a, um, a big splash like that. Uh, you know, it, I think they're not going to risk their jobs in their first year. They're going to play it safe. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I just thought it was, well, that's kind of true fun. too. That's very true. Yeah. Yeah. So. A new front office and then getting two guys that <laughs> that no one wants to trade for. Yeah. Probably I'm just I'm just proud of myself for pulling off a four team trade that, that no, yeah, the this is matched. You know, that's the this is something I, I <laughs> probably could never have d- have done and make it seem like all four teams would be considerably like they would they would take the call, right? They yeah, would yeah, exactly they wouldn't immediately hang up and be like, oh, you're crazy, but um no, but this was fun. That that was I, I think that was a great trade to kind of end it off. It wasn't like a blockbuster thing, but it was definitely um something where you kind of had to like take take a second, third look at it and be like, okay, actually, it's not as bad as, as I thought it was gonna be. Um yeah. but uh they're running out of time here, so appreciate it, Tom. Cool. Um yeah. Out of I guess one last question, out of all the guys you talked about today or just all the names in in rumors name the one guy you think is going before the trade deadline. So if I had to like bet my life yeah, on it, that, like I, put I would money say, on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would definitely say Oladipo and I, I don't think it's like that controversial to say, but I also think like, I think there's a real chance that he could flip like he, he could really like, flip someone's prospects in the, in the playoffs, like, you know, turn them into a fringe title contender to like, actually, cause you know, like, if you look at the West and the East for that matter, you know, even if you look at uh, Philly, could Philly try to squeeze him in somehow? Um, cause I don't think it would take a lot to get him a lot of your future assets. Um, and I think that he, was playing well. And I think there's no reason to believe that if he's motivated and if the, if, if, if he's around good coaching and guys that he respects, like, and isn't going to try to, you know, hog the ball or anything, I think he could really change a team's future outlook. And you think about the team, a team like the Sixers, for example, they have potentially, you know, you could argue they might have the best player in any series they play in with Embiid, the way Embiid's playing, but you know, the way that Brooklyn's playing, you're going to need like, some other real firepower next to you um, to compete. And Oladipo could, could be that, that difference maker. Who knows? And he, again, it won't cost you that much is the biggest thing. Yeah. I think Oladipo is going to be my answer too, just with the contract and just uh, my, my second answer would have been Lowry. I think the Lowry mm-hmm. to the, to the Sixers, I feel like it, the more I talk my the more I talk about Lowry to the Sixers, the more I want it to happen and hope that it happens. So maybe that's just me like believing that 
the whole story with Lowry coming back to the six, like going to the Sixers, is just so huge. Just with the place, you know, that Philly is in right now, you know, top of the conference and pretty much fighting Brooklyn and Milwaukee for that top spot. Um, and his I think the mental the side just make yeah yeah and just whatever intangibles he adds on that team is just yeah. is what the the Sixers need a, a guy that's been there. He's obviously won a championship with the Raptors uh, uh, in 2019. So, and he's proven that he could win. And he just does, mm-hmm. you know, his antics that is is what a team needs, kind of in a seven game series. You know, if you're if you're the Sixers, you know, you're you're a team that he actually might resign with, and so you might it might not just be you know he, he let's say he has two more productive years left in him. You know, I know he's getting older, but. He's, he's still playing well. Like you can assume he's probably got at least a year or two left that next couple of years though, might be at 10 million a year. Whereas Oladipo, if you wanted to keep him like now you're, you're going to be paying him close to 30, you got Harris, you're paying Sim, you know, you got 120, $130 million between just those four guys. Whereas like Lowry, you could potentially keep long-term get all those intangibles and, you know, it maybe, you know, be better short-term and over the next couple of years. Um, and at a cheaper price after after his contract goes up. Yeah, I, I think you'd rather. Well, actually, if if the Sixers get Oladipo, I don't think they can't offer Oladipo. Can they offer him a lot of money? Because they already have. Yeah, they, they they get his bird rights. Right. So right, by okay. by trading for yeah, him, you get his bird rights, and then you can sign a guy. You know, you if you're even if you're over the cap. Thing is, like they would just be crazily <laughs> over the cap just because of Simmons yeah. and Bede and then obviously Harris. Exactly. And then I don't I don't think Oladipo is worth <laughs> to to almost well, be hard capped. And it's the same well, it's the same conversation too that the you know with the Warriors when they took on Ubre's contract, like mm-hmm. you took on the 15 million, but you actually paid like an extra 40 million because yeah. of you, like the luxury you're already in the repeater luxury tax. And so Oladipo paying 21 million right now. And yeah, you'd be paying Lowry 30, but you might be paying, you might be able to keep them for two more years at, you know, 10 to 15 million where, and you know, that's worth, you know, let's say you know, with the repeater, he's still over the tax, just, you know, it's worth 25. Um, but Oladipo would be like 30 million, but it's really like 45 you know, and you give up the same assets really for him. No. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I think just looking at it holistically, I just would want Lowry just be on this competing Sixers team. Yeah. And I think it'd be like fun. For, for him to win the finals. I mean, for him to have two rings to finish finish off his career, maybe even more um, would be crazy. Just looking back at how we looked at him, maybe in 2018, with him, him and Damar. So yeah, this was fun. This was great. Um, thank you, Tom. We'll probably have you on again in the near future. Um, talking more bulls warriors, hopefully, but, uh, <laughs> how does it feel actually to, uh, to actually be fighting for a playing tournament? The, the East is kind of just wide open right now. Yeah. I mean, it's always a tough battle when you're, when you kind of like know that, you know, when you, kind of try to pay attention to your team in a more sophisticated manner than just wins and losses, you know, like you think about the future and like, it's always when you're not that good, you're better off 
getting a lottery pick and <laughs> rolling the dice and getting a yeah. new player. But at the same time, I think there is uh, something to be said about being like a young team that um, is showing some promise and up and coming and, you know, better culture and you just are more likely to then attract, you know, free agents. And um, you just set you, you, you set yourself up with that positive, you know, juju and the positive momentum to like get deals down the road that actually do really move the needle. And, you know, and who knows, I, I think like this Bulls team, if they stay the course, they still have young guys that have progression left um, and will have cap space. And so, you know, it's, it's, there's no reason to think that we shouldn't get better if we just stay the course, but at the same time, you always know in the back of your head, like, well, if we miss, miss the playoffs again, we, you know, you get a better pick and this is going to be a deep draft and who knows, but I don't know. I, I, it's been a fun season. It's actually been a pretty fun team to watch. And so I, I'm kind of leaning more towards like letting my fan side take over and just want to see them in the playoffs and ideally see them in the playoffs in front of some fans. Cause Chicago's got some, some pretty good fans, especially for the playoffs. Mm, no, that makes a lot of sense. I think the Warriors are kind of in the same, kind of the same, uh, I guess, problem to kind of figure out just in terms of, are we, should we just push, for just this year and then hope, you know, maybe we get in a playing tournament, you know, feel better about ourselves going into the off season instead of, you know, mailing it in a little earlier and uh, mm-hmm. give more minutes to young guys who probably won't even be in the conversation of on a playoff team next year. So that's the same yeah. problem here. Uh, but thanks, Tom. Uh, until yeah. next time. Yep. Yeah, appreciate it.